bit of business we need to take care of. Uh, I, I, at Christmas time, there's a Santa apparently, you know, watches people all year wrong and, and has a naughty list. And so I noticed yesterday during the barbecue time, and some of us were here early, and uh, there's a couple of uh, misbehaving boys yesterday. So I thought, what's the best way to deal with these guys? And I thought the director should deal with this. So I believe all the directors are here today. And I'm going to ask them if they take a little bit of time, just to, like a little bit of church discipline on Jim and Chris. So, Jim, I've, Jim, I've scheduled you in for 12.10 and, and Chris for 1. Because I'm thinking it's going to take a while. Because there was a lot of abuse yesterday thrown our way. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice I'm not him. Uh, yeah. So, board, if you could just gather, you can even have, you know, the, the good office. You can have uh, Nathan's. And, uh, yeah, there's some stuff that needs to happen yesterday. And you know what, Craig? You weren't that good either. Yeah, he was working with Chris. We were barbecuing yesterday. I was barbecued yesterday. That's basically what happened. It was relentless for a while. Uh, take your Bibles, and, and I'm not going to have you turn to the first text, not the, one, not the one in the bulletin. That is the text that I'm going to preach from. But I want you to turn to John chapter 21st. How many of you have had your Easter family celebrations, your luncheon, your supper, whatever, and you're done? Oh, how many of you still got a, like a whole big thing going today or tomorrow? Oh, we're done. Yeah. Still a big day ahead then. My sympathies. John 20. And the print continues to get smaller every year. John 20, chapter 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I want you to notice that in that passage of Scripture, that the disciples were gathered together, but they were behind doors that were locked. This picks up from what I talked about on Friday, and I apologize for those of you that weren't with us on Friday, but on Friday I, I mentioned the rest of the story, that there was this period of time where the women who had seen Jesus crucified we're waiting to, to go into the tomb and to prepare the body in an appropriate Jewish manner with spices and, and linen and with perfumes so that it could be done properly in the Jewish way. But they couldn't get to the body of Christ because the Sabbath was about to come upon them. And they understood the significance of the Sabbath and the laws regarding the Sabbath. So they were in obedience to the commandments and they waited. But early in the morning on the first day of the week, it was their goal to go in and prepare the body intentionally for what they assumed would be permanent burial, right? Because as much as Jesus 
hinted about His resurrection, talked about His resurrection, made some references about three days and three nights and being raised and all of those things, those that were closest to Him missed it. It either went over their head or it went beside their head, but they missed it. And so when Jesus was crucified, they figured that was it. It was over. It was all done. And everything that they had known for the last number of years uh, was basically going to be expunged and they were going to have to pick up their, their life uh, as it was previous to Jesus. But, but there wasn't just that thought. There was also a concern among some of the disciples that maybe now that they had got Jesus the head, and now that the Sabbath was about to be over, that maybe they would come looking for them. Because of the disciples, especially the twelve, but even the women that were with them and helping them with their day-to-day needs, they were very well known in and around Jerusalem. They were publicly seen all the time. People knew who they were. They may have come from different parts of, of, quote, Israel, but they had been in and around Jerusalem so much and in Judea so much and seen with Jesus so much, they were easily identifiable. And so what happens here when they're in this waiting period of time, when, when they don't understand that Jesus is going to be raised from the dead, they're wondering if there's a knock that's going to come to the door and that the Jewish religious uh, people are going to have armed guards come and take them out and maybe they're going to bring them before Pilate and maybe Pilate's going to give opportunity to crucify them as well. And so you see that. You see that in John 20 when they're just kind of sitting there wondering what's going to happen next. What is the rest of the story going to be? Well, I want you to understand that the rest of the story is up to you, just like it was up to them. They, they confined themselves. There was self-confinement in their homes Because they were afraid that if they went out after all this had transpired, and of course at this time they had not realized that Jesus had been raised from the dead, they had felt that if they had gone out of their homes and started like mingling again with society, that perhaps one by one or two by two or, or whatever, they would be picked off, arrested, and eventually crucified. And so they put themselves under self confinement. There's a lesson there for us, folks, that I want to expand upon today. So go with me to Matthew chapter 28, where the text is going to be. And I I want to warn you about self-confinement. About locking yourself up behind closed doors for fear of them. What's, what's the rest of the story? Here's what we assume is the rest of the story. The rest of the story is, is that the ladies go in to prepare the body for, for permanent burial. But when they get there, you know what happens, right? The, the, the stone, which would have been massive, had been rolled away. And so, you know, there's some curiosity about that. There's some angel talk about that. John and Peter eventually arrive on the scene. I'm assuming uh, John was a little younger, maybe a little more fleet of foot. And he gets there and he walks in right away and he, he checks out things, so on and so forth. And they realize that the body is gone. And we think that's the rest of the story. He is risen, right? It even says that in the Scriptures. He is risen. He is, is not here. But that's, that's perhaps 
the most significant part of the story, but if this next part of the story, this rest of the story doesn't happen, then it's really, it, it's, it's really a story that never makes the headlines. It's a story that really nobody ever really knows about or hears about too much, especially these days, when so many people these days are biblically illiterate. There, there might have been a time 50, 100 years ago when... Um, the majority of society at least knew a little bit about the Bible. But we live in a day and age that, that that's not true anymore. And so for us to assume the church gathered today on Resurrection Sunday, for us to assume that they know the story, that they know the rest of the story, that really is an assumption. So let's look at what really should be the rest of the story in, in Matthew chapter 28. And I want to read just from verse 19. Matthew 28, verse 19, the rest of the story. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, go. So, what you have now is you have a group of disciples that while they're in that period of uncertainty in those dark moments, they've done their Sabbath day worship, But now they're gathered together because there's a little bit of strength by gathering together. And they're trying to encourage one another, I I believe. And they're feeling that there's a little bit of strength and security numbers. But they're still behind locked doors, John tells us, for fear of the Jews. And for the most part, they don't have plans to do anything or go anywhere or say anything. As far as they're concerned that the crucifixion puts a period at the end of the story, it's, it's over. And they're just wondering about, are they going to be able to get on with their own lives again? But eventually, the women find the, the empty tomb, and Peter and John get there, and, and there's some, some touches from Jesus with different people. And we eventually do get to John 20, where Jesus finally shows up amongst them and speaks to some of them. And particularly, we're reminded about the story with Thomas, doubting Thomas, uh, we call him. And one by one, or in small groups, the, the disciples that follow Jesus are beginning to realize that he has indeed, indeed been raised from the dead. And we would think that's the rest of the story. But between the resurrection and his ascension, ascension meaning the time he goes up into heaven, between his resurrection and ascension, there's 40 days that take place there where he's walking and talking with them. And on one of those days, he shares this with them. And Matthew 28 has it written down for us. In verse 19, and he says to them, now that you've seen me crucified, now that you've seen me raised from the dead, now that you know that I'm alive and that the grave could not hold me, this is what I want you to do, church. I want you to go. I don't want you to stay in your homes. I don't want you to be behind locked doors. I don't want you to be worrying about what others might do or say, but I want you to go. You and I have to understand that we are part of the rest of the story. You might look to the book of Acts and you might say, well, the book of Acts covers the next 30 years or so after Jesus was resurrected. And that's the rest of the story. But that book only covers about 30 years or so. Here we are 2,000 years past that. And we are very much a part of the rest of the story. Now, we're not responsible for all 2,000 years. And if Jesus should decide not to come during our lifetime, we're not even necessarily responsible for what's to come. But we are 
indeed responsible for our generation. And we who have experienced and understand the resurrection power of Christ, we who know what it is to be forgiven, we who know what it means to have our sins dealt with and and to be set free from our sin and delivered from the, the bondage and the power of the sin, we have a responsibility to go. To get out from the, the self-confinement of our, our, our safe homes and our safe churches and gatherings like this where it's wonderful to celebrate. But we, we need to understand, folks, that this celebration needs to be taken beyond the walls and the doors of this church. That it can't be just a once-a-year celebration. First Peter 2.9 says this about the church. Those who know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Those who have been born again by the Spirit of God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and 1 Peter can be found near the back of what we call the New Testament. It says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Remember, he's talking about the church. And this is the purpose. So it's nice to... to it's, here's the thing, right? It, it, it's nice to kind of nestle in and feel all cuddly about the first part of that. You know what? As a Christian, I'm considered to be part of God's chosen people. I'm, I, I'm a priest. I'm a royal priest before God. I'm part of a holy nation. This is wonderful, right? You've said this to your kids. We're His special possession. I mean, all that feels warm and cuddly, right? It's good... It's good to feel all that. It's true, by the way. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not true. It's true. But, but you just you can't stop, folks, with just the warm, fuzzy feelings. It's great being saved, and it's great experiencing all the things that God has done for us. But the rest of the story is this. Keep reading at 1 Peter 2, verse 9. That our responsibility as the church, that those who have been born again by the Spirit of God, those that understand that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that it's our responsibility that we declare the praises of Him, meaning Jesus, who called us out of darkness, a sinful light, into His wonderful light. That's the rest of the story. Until we are committed to doing that consistently, regularly, powerfully, in the power of the Holy Spirit... We, we are not fulfilling our responsibility. We're not taking care of the mandate to our generation that God has called us to. We have a responsibility to tell people about what's happened. You'll notice in John chapter 20 that nobody was telling anybody about anything. What they were really hoping for is to maybe camp out long enough that it would just it would go away. It would just go away. Maybe if we just stay behind the locked doors and we stay here long enough and enough time transpires that maybe they'll forget about Peter and John and, and Thomas and, and Miriam and Mary and, and, and the other Marys. And, and they'll just forget about us because we really are nobodies. We really are nobodies. And, and they'll just forget about this and then eventually we'll be able to make it back to the Sea of Galilee and we'll get our boats and we'll get our nets and we'll go fishing again and we'll just kind of pick up where we left off about three years ago or so and, and it'll just all go away. It'll be like the morning mist. It will just evaporate in the morning heat. But the Bible tells us that as the church in Matthew 28 that we have a responsibility to go. 
that we can't stay behind the doors of our homes and our small groups and our prayer meetings and our Bible studies. And, and we can't stay behind the, the, the closed doors of our churches. Not locked doors of our churches. They're open to anybody. But, but the closed doors of our churches when we meet together. We have a responsibility to go because, listen, You've seen some of the titles that have been given about Resurrection Sunday, whether it's a movie or a song. And it says, one of them says this, The greatest story ever told. There's some books out with that title. Some of you probably read some of them. The greatest story ever told. I would suggest to you that sometimes it is the greatest story ever untold. It's not the greatest story unless it's told, unless it's expressed. If people don't know that Jesus has been raised from the dead, if people don't understand that he gives us freedom from the power of sin and promises us eternal life and all of those wonderful things that come with his resurrection, then it may be the greatest story, but it's an untold story. And that untold story then won't change a single person's life. Not one person's life. The rest of the story is this. We have a story to tell. The rest of the story is this, that we have a responsibility to tell other people what Jesus Christ has done in our life. The rest of the story is that we can't stay behind uh, our closed doors or locked doors of self-confinement in our nice safe homes or in our nice safe churches and not go out there and spread the good news. It's not good news unless they know about it. It's not our responsibility to make people believe. That's not our job. But it is our responsibility to go and tell the story. And from those who believe, then it's our responsibility to make disciples. And so the story doesn't change anybody's life or mind unless they hear about this. So I want you to, this is going to seem weird. If you're visiting here, don't worry, we don't do this often. Come back again on another Sunday to test me. I want you to stare at your feet for just a second. Just stare at them. Don't do anything with them. Just stare at them for a second. Okay? You're saying, Pastor, long weekend, eh? Tired. And I want to read this to you from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 says this, How then can they, meaning those who haven't heard, you've heard me refer to them from other New Uh, New International Version uh, versus the outsiders. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now, preaching to them doesn't mean like me on a Sunday. It just means sharing the story with them at work, at play, at school, wherever that happens. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, now here's the emphasis on your feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's a reference to, a, to an Old Testament passage. How beautiful are the feet of them who bring good news. In other words, God is saying this. Those of us that have heard the, the transforming message of the gospel of Jesus Christ have been born again by the Spirit of God. How wonderful it is, is that when our feet, when we take that gospel message, that good news, because that's what gospel means, it's the good news, 
when we take that gospel message someplace else or to somebody else. How wonderful that is. And there are all kinds of people in this room that you've believed in Christ and you're saved because somebody walked the gospel to you and shared it. How beautiful are the feet of them who bring good news. But if we're behind closed doors, whether it's our home or our churches, nobody hears. Nobody believes. And so we have a responsibility to go and to share the good news. It can't be just our little secret. Do you have have any little secrets? Don't, Don't share them. They're secrets. Generally, when we have a little secret, it's, it's usually juicy for us to know and bad for somebody else that we know. But we have to understand in the church that the resurrection of Jesus Christ and all of its implications cannot be our little secret. That we just share amongst us, that we just whisper to one another on Sundays and Wednesdays and in our small groups and in our prayer meetings. It can't be just our little secret. We have a responsibility to to take it to our family members and to our friends and sometimes even to to strangers. It was interesting yesterday uh, at the uh, Essex Public School when we we were doing the egg hunt and uh, the the mayor came over and and spoke to some of us. And uh, he's been the mayor here a long time, so, you know, he's very recognizable. And he was speaking to, to Betty, and he was speaking to me, and he might have been speaking to a few others. And, and, and in, what, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, you know, we Easter message gospel shared, not so much from us to him, but from him to us. You know, just talking about how great it is that we do this at Easter and, and how important this is and all of that. And he shared with us some of, some of his, his belief and stories and feelings about all of that. And, and I thought, you know, well, isn't that what it's all about, right? It's, it's about the back and forth. And sometimes, you know, it goes back and forth, not the way necessarily that we want it to go back and forth. But the whole idea is we have to be willing to talk about it. We have to be willing to talk about Him. It it, it can't be just our little secret, and it can't be just in our little zones and times when we're ready to talk about it. You know, well, Sunday we're ready to talk about it. Small group, we're ready to talk about it. Bible study, we're ready to talk about it. But... Those serendipitous moments, those ones that we haven't planned for, well, you know, I don't, I don't know about that. I'd rather not talk about it out on the playground of Essex Public School. But how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And go back to the text in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus says to His disciples, therefore go, and He says what? He says to make disciples of all nations. That's really the emphasis of this this passage, the going is important, but the real emphasis of this, this message is about that we have a responsibility to go and share, and then for those who believe, to, to make them into quality, mature disciples. And that those disciples will be found in, in, in all places, in all nations. That, you know, Jesus isn't a, a Canadian thing. It's, it's not a white Canadian thing. Uh, Jesus is for all nations. And so we have a responsibility to go and to make disciples. We cannot let ourselves believe that just sharing from time to time, even though it's our mandate to tell those uh, who are in darkness now what it's like to be brought out of darkness into His wonderful light, we have to be careful that we don't do a mission stall there, that that the mission becomes incomplete. 
but we have a responsibility to even go deeper once we have shared the good news, and that our responsibility as a church is to make disciples. Responsibility of the church is not to hold services. Responsibility of the church is not to, to take in offerings. Responsibility of the church is not just to send money to other places. The responsibility of the church is wherever it touches, wherever its feet land, wherever its influence is, is to make disciples. Mature disciples. People who can make other people into disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, of all people. And then it talks about baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And in those days, baptism was a very powerful symbol of discipleship. Baptism, when people were immersed and baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, for the Jews of those days, it was a clear sign of breaking with their past, with their traditions of Judaism. And even for the, the Greeks, the, the, the Romans that would follow, baptism was that, that outward sign of cleansing of what God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, had done when He had created a, a, a new person in Christ. And so we are, we are to take people to full commitment. I think that's what baptism symbolizes here. It's about taking people to full commitment. That we're not just perceivers and we're not just believers, but that we're fully committed to Jesus Christ, God's Son. And to His death, burial, and resurrection. And as those who are fully committed to all of that, then it becomes our responsibility then to take that message to others and to make them into mature, fully committed Christ followers. That's the rest of the story. If the numbers are accurate in Canada, the church as a whole is in a stall as it relates to evangelism, as it relates to sharing the good news, as it relates to going and making disciples. If the numbers are accurate for the last 20 years or so, we're a mission stall. We have probably about 300,000 immigrants coming to this country a year. It makes up the majority of our population growth. There are always new people coming to Canada. Yeah, they kind of land in significant parts like Vancouver and Toronto and so on. But there's new people coming all the time. And though the population of the country continues to go, the church is not even, not even keeping up with population growth. And so we need to reevaluate our commitment to Christ and to the rest of the story. And understand that as great as Good Friday is to realize that our sins have been atoned for, and as great as it is to realize that Christ has conquered sin, death, and the grave, uh, as we celebrate that on Resurrection Sunday, we have all kinds of people in this country and all kinds of people in Windsor-Essex and all kinds of people in our homes and in our playgrounds and in our malls that know nothing about Jesus. We are not going. And we are not making disciples. 
And so I think today ought to be a resurrection of, of, of thought in our minds that the passion that perhaps that we once had for reaching the lost and, and, and the yearning to see people close to us who are unsaved, saved, that those fires need to be restoked in our lives. And that we have to be careful that we don't fall in love with our gatherings and with our fellowships and with our services, but we recognize that those are moments to strengthen the army for God's purposes, for salvation purposes, to create mature followers of Christ. And the bottom line is, is we're not mature followers of Christ unless we're endeavoring to evangelize and disciple those who are lost. It's not enough to say I know my Bible really well. It's not enough to say I give thousands and thousands of dollars. It's not enough to say I come to church every time the doors are open. We really do need to challenge ourselves with are we, am I, never mind we as a church, am I making any effort to share my faith with somebody? Am I making any effort to, to walk somebody through the paths of discipleship? It's not enough that I'm saved, that those that I really care about save. But there are millions, folks, in this country, and there are thousands living around us that have no idea what the significance of this day means. So let's unconfine the gospel. Let's openly share it. Let's make sure that our feet are walking the good news to places and people that need to hear, uh, need, to, need to believe. Would you stand together with me? The rest of the story is that because of the resurrection, we go and make disciples, telling them to be obedient to the Scriptures. And the Bible tells us that we are to be witnesses to all those things. Witnesses to all those things. Let me... Let me just pray for us as a church to get a hold of this in our hearts so that it becomes an action for us. Father, we are grateful for this weekend. We are so grateful. Uh, there are so many of us in this room that our lives were a mess without Christ. And we needed Him so much. And there are so many of us in this room that we're dealing with all kinds of bondage to sin and to bad habits. So many of us in this room were living with guilt from the past that was overwhelming us. So many of us were living for ourselves and it was so shallow and empty. So many of us were chasing the next thing thinking, well, the, the next thing's going to be the thing that's really going to light my fire, that's going to give me meaning. We, we've invested in our education and in our finances and in our families and, and all of our interests. And we're hoping that all of this is going to bring some kind of meaning to us and center us and all that. And at the end of the day, we've always found out that as great as some of these things are, they come up short. The only one who truly satisfies is Jesus. We know that. And so this Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate the new life. We celebrate the victory over death. We, we celebrate all of the possibilities that the resurrection power presents for us. But it's not enough that we've heard and that we know and that we've experienced. There's a community beyond these doors 
Many of them have not. They have no idea. All kinds of people today chasing the bunny, chasing the eggs, walking around the house and watching the news and sitting out on the back deck, and they're going to have ham or turkey or something like that today, and not once is Jesus' name going to be mentioned. And so we have a responsibility to put Jesus in front of them. They can do with Him what they want, but we have a responsibility to put Jesus in front of them. And so help us, O God. Help us, O God, to go and make disciples. As we celebrate our Easter celebrations today and tomorrow, as Christians gathered around tables of fellowship and blessing, may we make a renewed commitment to making Jesus known. And folks, if that's in your heart today, would you close by saying amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.